0: De Bianco.
1: Isn't it wonderful how a caterpillar becomes a butterfly? What's really exciting is what we can learn from that transformation. The caterpillar and the butterfly don't look anything alike. You wouldn't think that inside that slinky creature that crawls on the ground, there's an elegant winged creature that can fly. Most of us never think that inside our humdrum day-to-day self, there's a unique creative genius with enriching gifts to share with the world. The right story will give birth to it and set it free. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you a free download of one of your favorite audio books. You get to choose from 180,000 titles and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com Forward slash story power that is com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is Change Your Story, Change Your Life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive, and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Today's guest has an interesting Caterpillar to Butterfly story. He's a man who discovered and developed and shares his unique gifts with the world. His story will inspire you to discover your own. He's the co-founder of Motivational Millennial and co-host of the Motivational Millennial Podcast. He received the Marshall Scholarship, one of the most competitive postgraduate awards in the world, which he used to complete his master's and Ph.D. on, okay, get this, hip-hop and global youth cultures. He's an international keynote and TEDx speaker. He helps millennials and people who care about millennials step into their power to create meaningful change in their lives through coaching and workshops. He also delivers unique hip-hop motivational assemblies at schools and universities across the country. His name is Blake Brandes, and you can check out his motivational speaking work at BlakeBrandes.com. That's B-L-A-K-E-B-R-A-N-D-E-S dot com. And I am really excited and with a sense of fun to introduce Blake Brandes to the show. Blake, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life.
0: Thank you so much, Lewis. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Hey, man, it was a pleasure the very first time I encountered your, your talent which was watching a presentation that you did as a TED Talk. And I said, got to get that guy on my show. So let's begin at the beginning. Where were you born? Where are you originally from?
0: So I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, but I spent most of my childhood in a small town in rural North Carolina called Hickory. Emphasis on the hick in Hickory, we used to say. (laughs) Uh, And... It was definitely an unlikely experience to have a skinny, nerdy white boy get into rap music coming out of Hickory, North Carolina.
1: Wow. You know, and I'm sure we're going to uh, reveal the details of that in the next few minutes. So uh, briefly, what what was your childhood like? Uh, what kind of family did you have, et cetera?
0: Sure thing. So, I was an only child. I still am, I suppose, an only (laughs) child, uh, to my knowledge. And because of that, I grew up with a very imaginative experience of life. So, I would just be entertaining myself, creating stories in my mind, and playing computer games and reading books. And because of that, I was never bored. And one of the things I still believe strongly to this day is that boredom is a choice and that if we can choose to look at what's around us and ask the question, what's interesting about this? What can I learn from this? Then we will never be bored. And growing up in Hickory, North Carolina, I was doing pretty well until high school and then I became very depressed. And one of the things I really love about your podcast, Lewis, is your focus on the story we tell ourselves about who we are and what we're capable of. And when I was in high school, I was telling myself a pretty damaging story. And that story was that I didn't have any friends. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had never had a girlfriend, so I thought no one would ever love me. And all of those little stories added up to one big story that said, I'm not worth anything and I don't know if I should keep living. What's the point? And thankfully in one of my darkest moments, I reached out to one of my friends who really expanded my worldview. And she said, Blake, people do care about you. You do have a purpose. You are lovable. And what I realized in that moment and over the next couple of years was that she was right. The actions that I was taking because I thought nobody cared about me was actually pushing people away when they did try to care about me. And so it made that self-fulfilling prophecy. So that was definitely a challenging experience in high school growing up that has really helped shape and inform who I am today.
1: That's fantastic, man. You just, um, you delivered a lot just in that, um, in, the, in these past few minutes, you know, um, I totally, totally agree. Boredom is a choice. And as you discovered, depression is a choice. We don't know that or want to believe that while we're going through it, but it is. Now, who was the friend who helped you to see it differently?
0: Yeah, her name was Catherine. And, she, and one of the things that she told me that really helped was she said, You know, because I want to address something you mentioned about depression being a choice. I mean, I think the story we tell ourselves about that is a choice, but I think, uh, you know, based on some neurological research, there are also certain biochemical states that make us just feel physically bad. And so. Um, my friend actually, you know, she wasn't a neuroscientist, she was a high school student, but she recognized this and she said to me, Blake, whenever you're feeling this way, hopeless or frustrated, she said, do one thing you love. What's one thing you love? And I said, I really love to dance. She said, okay, go out in your little garage and put on your boombox, some music that you love to dance to, and just dance for 30 minutes. And as cheesy as that sounds, it actually really worked because once I was changing my physical state... And doing something I loved, it was I was able to change my mental state. Whereas just sitting there and obsessing about how unhappy I was wasn't changing anything.
1: Wow! Have you ever uh, studied with um, Anthony Robbins?
0: I am a huge Tony Robbins fan. Absolutely,
1: because what you just said is the essence of what he teaches. He says you begin by changing your um, your your physical state. You change it, and you do it by taking some kind of action. It will help to change your focus. It's a that that it's a it's a pattern interrupt in in uh, an NLP, and it will affect the way you feel. So that's that's powerful. That's wonderful. Who would you say were the strongest influences on your life as you were growing up?
0: Definitely my parents. My mother came from a strong baptist upbringing her father was a baptist preacher and while we as a family weren't necessarily incredibly religious um she really instilled in me this strong sense of social justice and morality and that helping people was not just something we should do but something we must do as part of our giving back to the world for the gift of life that we've been given and so growing up, I really had that strong sense, uh, and perhaps a little too much of a sense of wanting to help other people all the time. And on the other side, my father is an English professor, and he was always committed to bringing culture to Hickory. And he started a visiting writer series where they would bring in incredible international authors from Alice Walker to Seamus Heaney, um, and everyone in between. And Growing up in that environment made me realize that if you can have a vision for what's possible and be willing to get creative about how to achieve it, you can help inspire so many people who wouldn't necessarily even know they were missing something that critical. And those two elements, you know my my mother's strong sense of social justice and my father's desire to bring creativity and culture to communities, really combined in the work that I've been doing, in going out and bringing hip hop and inspiration and talking about the growth mindset to students, especially in K through twelve schools across the country, um, some of whom have not necessarily heard these messages before or heard them related to something they care about, like music. And so, those two influences have been really formative for me.
1: Wow, that's wonderful. That is, I'm I'm getting uh, inspired just listening to you. And Thank you. There, you know. What's wonderful, uh, as people will discover, is that you were able to take something that you really love, which is music and movement, because it's definitely part of hip hop, and incorporate it into your sense of bringing value to others. And it's that marriage that makes all the difference in the world. So, I mean, I think I get it when you say, at the beginning, maybe you were too much into Wanting to help because sometimes I saw that in my parents helping to the point where they sacrifice their own happiness, and that's not mm-hmm. a good thing. That's not a good thing. So this is fascinating, man. Now, was there something in your mind that you thought about as a kid? That you said you said, when I grow up, that's what I want to be. <laughs>
0: I always loved Legos, and so I thought for a while that I might be an architect, and I really enjoyed computer games, and I still do, actually, occasionally play a good round of uh, StarCraft II or a real-time strategy game like that. So I thought I wanted to build something, and then as I grew older, I knew that I really wanted to help people. And when I was applying for the scholarship you mentioned in the introduction, the Marshall, I said that I wanted to create a non-governmental organization that helps students. Um, And the thing was, at the time, I had no idea what that could look like. And in the interim, I ended up running a music production and artist management company. I uh, was chief program officer for a nonprofit that did help kids and eventually now um, founded Motivational Millennial. And so I took a very circuitous route and did a lot of those things along the way. But one of the things when I'm coaching students, especially who are applying for colleges and scholarships, I tell them, look, you don't have to commit to the thing you say you want to do. Just talk about the impact you want to have and show the scholarship committee or the college admissions committee a plausible future that they are investing in because a lot of people when they're applying for colleges or scholarships or jobs, it's all about themselves, right? This is who I am. This is what I did. And those are important things. Your resume is important, but really this organization is investing in you as a person and the impact you're going to have in the future. So if you can paint a really compelling vision of what that future is, then they are so much more likely to support you and provide you with resources,
1: That's a fabulous, uh, fabulous insight to offer, man. Now, uh, I got news for you. You are an architect. You're an architect of happiness.
0: (laughs) Thank you. That's a great way to look at it.
1: You are, man. It's what you do. You help people to discover it and to build it within themselves. When did you become interested in hip hop?
0: So, I was dancing to the ghostbuster soundtrack when i was five years old and well that's not exactly hip-hop it was quickly followed by mc hammer and crisscross albums but all through middle school i didn't really get i never understood hip-hop as a culture right until i was 14 and i started djing and break dancing and beatboxing and rapping and when i started getting involved in the cultural aspects I realized, wow, hip hop is such a creative and resourceful and powerful medium to share a message, to bring people together, to inspire, to create change and to create art. And so as I started to learn more about it, I saw it was much more than the music, although the music is still incredibly important to me. And I love the wordplay and the lyricism. So that was where I started really getting into it and performing hip hop. And Lewis, I was terrible at the beginning. Let's just put that out there. I was such a bad rapper. Um, you know, I could rhyme okay, but I had no sense of flow. You know, the delivery, the cadence, and like anything, it just it took practice. It take it took mimicking other artists who I admired. And thank goodness the internet was not such a big thing when I was starting out because I was able to grow and learn in this little cocoon. And I have so much respect and appreciation for people who are starting to create their art now in this incredibly public and uh, visible world that is social media because you know, it took me years to get to the point where I was able to perform in a way that would be acceptable (laughs) for other people to enjoy. So I'm thankful for that opportunity.
1: By the way, I don't recall the exact title right now, but there is a series, a brilliant series on Netflix right now, and it's about the history of hip hop. Did you know that?
0: Actually, the host of it is one of my favorite rappers of all time. His name is Shad, S-H-A-D. And talk about someone he combines all of his lyrics are clean so he doesn't swear but the most intricate brilliant wordplay concepts for songs um if anyone wants to start at a place uh his album t let's see if i can spell t s o l which is lost backwards um beautiful album
1: well that's fabulous now so what's the name of the show do you remember
0: i don't off the top of my head uh but i have I have the internet,
1: so. you know what yeah, we'll probably maybe it'll come to us before the end of the show, but I will find it and put it in the show notes anyway because it's it's quite uh I've watched it it's 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 very very strong um it really makes you understand, hip- huh
0: hip hop evolution no nope.
1: that's what it's called no nope. no nope. nope. that's that's not the one, so that's another one i'm gonna no this is a a dramatic series man it's 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 powerful. Um, uh, You know what? Uh, I won't spend oh, time. Oh, Get Down. You're talking about The Get Down. The Get Down. That's it, man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched it?
0: I've not watched it yet. It's on my queue. It's on oh. my queue.
1: Oh, man. It's, it's something else. Anyway, uh, were you intimidated by other successful hip-hop artists as you were developing your skill, your talent?
0: Not really, and that's for two reasons. One, as I mentioned before, I was so new to the art and the culture that I was just in pure learning mode. I didn't even consider myself on a level capable of being competitive with any of my favorite rappers like Jurassic 5 or Method Man and Red Man. And so, as I was growing in the art, I really looked to learn rather than compete. And Once I became a more established artist, I made a promise to myself that I would never ask my art to support me financially. And this was really important because I never wanted the stress on the creation to change my relationship with the music. And so the irony is I actually ended up becoming a professional music producer and artist manager. It's just I created music for other people and helped co-write songs that other people performed and was able to support myself financially through that. But I never asked my own socially conscious, hyper-lyrical hip-hop to support me.
1: Wow. So I guess you never had the the thought, uh, the dream of becoming... A hip-hop star yourself.
0: Well, the irony is, while I didn't think about being a professional recording artist hip-hop star, I actually get to walk into schools and be a hip-hop star for thousands of students every year. And it's the most fun thing because I get to rap and teach them how to beatbox and we dance and In some ways, it's the best audience imaginable. Because if I were at a traditional hip-hop show, I feel like I would always have to be proving myself. You know, do they think that I'm cool enough? Do they think I'm real enough? But with kids, they just want to have fun. They want to learn. And so I can bring that to them. And so for me, I feel like I kind of am a hip-hop star to them.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sure you are, man. I mean, you know, at this point, we've been talking about it so much that I'm sure my storytellers, my listeners are going... How does he sound? You know? And <laughs> you, because you did describe yourself as a kind of you said that you were a this this awkward and kind of geeky white boy. Well, guys, let's give them a taste. I love when you do with your voice alone the sound and beat of a drum. Take it away,
0: all right, so we can do a little beatboxing, also known as vocal percussion and it sounds a little something like boom skab boom boom
1: boom 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 boom
0: boom 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 Pish
1: boom 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 but I can see and hear a, an actual, I can hear a musical instrument, a musical instrument, a drum. That's phenomenal. Thanks a lot. Thank and you. Uh, we're definitely going to have to get a, another taste a little bit later. When and how did you discover personal development, formal personal development? Because I know, I mean, what you do is a kind of personal development with kids.
0: Absolutely. And Motivational Millennial is a personal development company to help members of the millennial generation be happy, fulfilled, and successful in life. So you're absolutely right. That's really what we're doing right now. And I got into it through philosophy, actually. In seventh grade, I took a philosophy course, a summer program at Davidson College in North Carolina. Wait, wait, Um, wait. I
1: got to stop you. Hold on a second. You took a philosophy course in seventh grade. (laughs)
0: I did. It was part of this program where you took the PSAT uh, in seventh grade, and if you qualified, you were able to go to a summer program called TIP, the Talent Identification Program, and it was the best thing because up to that point— I had always felt like this nerd outcast because I loved reading. I loved having intellectual discussions, but I thought my friends, they just wanted to watch TV and talk about sports. And so when I went to this program in seventh grade and then later in eighth and ninth grade as well, during the summers, I was surrounded by kids who also loved intellectual discourse and they were passionate about things as nerdy as, you know, magic cards and things like that. And, it was such a great experience. And from a personal development perspective, studying Plato and Descartes and Nietzsche and Derrida, they just opened my worldview and said, wow, you can look at life differently. And there's so many different interpretations and lenses you can use to understand your own existence and the world around you. So that was really my initial entry into personal development. And then from there I've found books, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey was an early one. and most recently, people like Brene Brown, Tony Robbins, Liz Gilbert, um, Eckhart Tole, some really you know powerful people who I've experienced through that.
1: That is a very impressive list. How did you decide to marry? Hip-hop with personal development.
0: It's actually one of the lessons that I like to tell students, which is combine what you love to do with what you have to do to make it fun and to be more successful at it. So for me, what I love to do was listen to and think about hip-hop. And what I had to do in college was write essays. So I asked my teacher freshman year in my freshman year seminar class, could I write my essay about Plato as a rap? And he looked at me kind of incredulously and said, um, I mean... Will it be good? I said, no, 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 it'll be good. And he said, "Uh, will you cite your sources? I said, yes, I'll cite sources. And he said, will you use in-text citations? I said, yes, I will pull quotes and analyze them in the rap. And he said, okay, good luck. So (laughs) from there, I started writing about hip-hop in a scholarly environment. And it made essay writing so much more fun. And I started applying that to so many different areas of my life. You know, rather than just doing the chores, I would do the chores while I listened to my new favorite hip hop album. And that's really what I share with students. That was actually the first message when I was taking my assemblies in the schools um, that I was working with students was that. Passion plus academics equals success. And later, I realized that you needed a little more uh, fun nuance for students to really get on board with that message. But mm. it,
1: was, it was
0: a great experience. Yeah, that's how I connected you, the two.
1: Do Do you remember any of that uh, the, that that thing you did on Plato?
0: Sure. the open The opening was um, it's Plato's Republic, books two and three. He banished all the poets, but he couldn't banish me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wow, I love it. I love that creative spirit. It's a a joy to hear and to feel. Are there any personal development leaders that you particularly admire and follow? And if so, why?
0: Sure, I mean, the aforementioned ones, obviously Tony Robbins, um, et cetera, have a ton of people who are following them and most people probably know them. Someone I really recommend is Marie Forleo, She runs B-School, which is a business entrepreneurial training program. But she produces weekly YouTube videos for free that are so insightful and funny and thoughtful. And she interviews amazing people like Tony Robbins and Seth Godin and great people like that as well. But in terms of someone people wouldn't know as much about, I would definitely recommend checking out Marie Forleo.
1: How do you you spell her last name?
0: F-O-R-L-E-O.
1: F O R L E O and it's Marie M A R I E
0: that's right Marie TV is the name of her um, channel
1: Oh good Marie TV wonderful You got to go on to America's Got Talent how did that happen
0: <laughs> That was a wild story so the pro- one of the producers for America's Got Talent called me up about having my a cappella group be on the show. I was part of a semi-professional a cappella group called The Lost Keys when I was living in New York City, and they had seen some of our videos on YouTube, and they wanted us to come on the show. The problem was the audition was that weekend. They were calling like on a Thursday, and it was that Saturday. So I called our group, you know, all the different members, and people were out of town. They were sick. There just weren't enough of the group to be on the show. And so I called the producer back and said, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to get on. And she said, well, we saw one of your videos of you freestyle rapping. Would you be interested in coming on and auditioning? And I didn't really know what America's Got Talent was. But one of my inner philosophies is to say yes and figure it out later. So I said, sure. And I went to the audition that following Saturday, and I freestyle rapped. I made up an improvisational rap on the spot, first for one producer in a little room, and then for a couple more producers. and then finally, they filmed it uh, for their whole producer team. And it was going okay in the b- behind the scenes until they asked me to rap about their lawyer. They said, you look so much like our lawyer Because I was wearing a suit A purple suit, actually And they said, will you do a rap about our lawyer? And so I said, sure, tell me a few things about him So they gave me a few things about him And I rapped into the camera And after I did the rap, they were like, okay The main stage So a couple months later I ended up on stage In Madison Square Garden In front of 3,000 people And the four celebrity judges And it was pretty terrifying (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah well the, for the you know remind our audience who those judges are
0: absolutely so it was howard stern the radio host heidi klum the supermodel howie mandel the tv game show host and mel b the former spice girl and Whoa. yeah I was, I was backstage with nick cannon and he was you know he looked at me in my my suit and he said uh are, are you a magician and I said, not exactly, Nick, but I do pull words out of thin air. And he goes, I don't know what that means. I said, don't worry, Nick, you're about to find out. So they called me on stage, and that's when all the, the craziness started.
1: You know what? Uh, I know people can, they can hear this and see it on the TED Talk, but I think it's worth giving us a summary of the highlights of that. Yeah, what for sure. What? So yeah.
0: so I went out on stage and Howie Mandel asked me, what's your name and what's your talent? And I said, my name is Blake Brandis, and I rap. And he goes, you rap? And I said, yeah. And actually, I freestyle rap. So if you bring up someone from the audience, I'll make up a rap about them. So Howie goes in the audience, he brings up this guy and I asked the guy a few questions. I said, you know, what's your name? And he goes, my name's James. And I said, whoa, James, where are you from? And he goes, I'm from North Dakota. I said, all right, James from North Dakota, uh, what do you like to do for fun? And he goes, I like to hunt and fish. I said, okay, James, I'm going to make up a rap about you. So the beat dropped, and I started rapping. And it actually started going pretty well. The crowd was laughing at the jokes and cheering at the punchlines. James was having a great time. You know, I was making up a rap about him. And then I heard a sound I'd been dreading the entire time. (laughs) I saw a big red X light up in the front of Howard Stern's desk. And I was almost done at this point with the rap. And in that moment, I sort of had a split-second panic. And I thought, okay, I have a couple options. Like, Howard doesn't like it. I should Maybe I should just stop rapping right now. Or maybe I should just keep going and pretend like it didn't happen. But then, like, my hip-hop instinct kicked in. And I said, wait a second. If someone disses you in hip-hop, you have to flip it you gotta you know you gotta use it to your advantage and so with just a few seconds left i said time is running out but you know i'm not stressing i came to reach the people and to teach a lesson and yo it doesn't matter if howard gets to Exon. i'm still gonna keep rapping no question Woo! wild <laughs> thank you <laughs> Uh, so we go to the judges, and Howard Stern is angry. He's like, man, freestyle rap's not a talent. It's called freestyle for a reason, because you can't get paid to do it. I vote no. You don't go through. I'm like, ow, man, that's rough. So then we go to Heidi Klum, the supermodel, who says, I actually liked it. I thought it was a talent, and... I vote yes, you do go through. And I'm like, yes, Heidi Klum likes my rap. She thinks I'm hot. I mean, she thinks I'm talented. Yes. Okay, good. So then we go to Howie Mandel, who says, I also liked it. I thought it was more than just rap. It was comedy. It was theatrical. I vote yes, you do go through. So then it all comes down to Mel B, because I needed – Three yeses to get to the next round. So imagine having your entire future in the hands of a former Spice Girl. That's <laughs> what this felt like. So Mel B says, "I liked it, but I've seen better." I vote no. You don't go through. And I'm like, man, that's it. Two yes, two no, I don't go through. But then the producers came out, and they said, this season on America's Got Talent, we have a special feature. There's a golden button that each judge can only use one time during the entire season, but if the judge uses that button, it saves the act on stage, and they go through to the next round. So now the crowd is going wild. They're chanting, send him through, send him through. Howard Stern is up on his feet yelling at Howie Mandel, saying, Howie, if you like Blake so much, what don't you use the golden button and send him through and the crowd's chanting send him through send him through so the how he stands up and the crowd just goes wild they're chanting use the golden button send him through use the golden button and how he goes i i i just can't do it i'm sorry
1: oh man
0: and i didn't make it through
1: but okay
0: it was one of the best things that could have happened to me to get to that point and not make it through
1: (laughs) so now i see Everybody listening, you hear the energy in Blake's voice. He didn't frame that as a failure. His lens did not allow him to see it as a failure. What were the the biggest learning lessons you got from it?
0: Just because you lost doesn't mean you failed. That was such a helpful experience for me because it showed me that doing something hard and doing something that's honestly terrifying is a great experience that gives you courage and strength and helps you connect with people and gives you an incredible story to tell yourself and other people about what you're capable of and what you're willing to do and risk. And so that, for me, was the biggest lesson about going on America's Got Talent. It's
1: fantastic. I'm going to challenge you now. You use the word just because you lost, could you place a different word in there? Do you even, like you say, I I know you, you turned it into a positive. You didn't fail, but was it losing? Could you think of another way to say it?
0: Sure thing. I mean, what I tell students is always reframe challenges as opportunities. So in that moment, I said, what is the opportunity here? Well, I just got to share my talent with 3,000 people and now I get to share this story with thousands of students all across the world and on a technical note America's Got Talent doesn't own any of my creative rights so you know if I made it to the next level I would have had to sign over some of my creative rights to my music and so that was a great opportunity. Uh, so absolutely, you know, I I say it in that specific uh, way about losing, just for people who may frame it like that. But you're absolutely right. I never think of anything. I don't think I've ever lost anything, even when, I mean, I've had some other rough you know, public experiences <laughs> that were challenging. Um, a freestyle rap that went wrong in front of 500 people in an auditorium. You know, there there have been a few challenges along the way.
1: Wow, you know. Um... Yeah, and, and and the other thing is that experience uh, resulted in a very exciting TED Talk. That experience was part of why you're here today sharing your wisdom and your energy with us. Uh, the storytellers on my show. So it's fantastic. But You know, when I was thinking about reframing the word, because every single word to me is important, I would say just because you were not chosen by those four individuals doesn't mean you failed.
0: Oh, yeah. I believe choosing yourself is the most important thing you can do because I could have believed what Howard said or what mel b said and i could have just stopped rapping I because yeah. you know what if these celebrities don't think i'm good i'm just not good enough but what i realized was the choice was mine i chose to use the thing i'm passionate about which was hip-hop to help people and i choose that choice every single day and i realize it's a choice so you were so right lewis thinking about you always have the choice of the story you tell yourself and what you interpret events in your life to mean.
1: Oh yeah. Thank you for that. When did you decide to do a TED talk or was that an invitation as well or did you pursue it?
0: It was an invitation actually. I was having a conversation with a professor in Hickory about millennials and some of my experiences and he said I would love for you to talk about that. I'm actually on the TEDx committee, and we'd like to invite you to apply to speak. And it was really rare, actually, because they typically don't take people who are motivational speakers for TED-style talks um, just because they want something of substance. And so what he said was he said, look, you know, you have all this experience working directly with – Millennials and young people, and you also have your academic background in hip hop and global youth cultures. Like, you're very qualified to talk about this, and we think it's an important message. And so, despite the fact that you are sometimes a motivational speaker, we still want to ask you to apply. And so, I'm so thankful for that opportunity and that I said yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, it was a wonderful TED talk, and people can see it online. If they want to see it, what would they search for on YouTube?
0: They can search the untapped power of millennials or just um, Blake Brandis on YouTube. It'll come up.
1: Okay, cool, cool.
0: TEDx. Yeah.
1: Nice. How have you grown by doing both the Got Talent Show and the TED Talk? I mean, we all, I got a sense of how you grew from the Got Talent Show. But what about mm-hmm. the TED Talk? What did that do for you?
0: I get so nervous before I have to give these presentations. And the TEDx, I prepared for it for months, but we had to rewrite the speech three times. I worked on it with my business partner, and you know we submitted several drafts to the committee. They didn't like the first several. And so I had to memorize the entire 18 minutes and go up there with four days preparation. And, Lewis, you're an actor, so... I'm sure you are very masterful at this, at this stage in your career. Um, You know, and I certainly memorize speeches and things from time to time, but having to do word for word 18 minutes um, was incredibly stressful. And so the whole lead up to it, I was just emotionally really in a challenging place and telling myself, I'm going to disappoint everybody. To do it, it's going to be filmed live. And what if I lose my place or I forget it? And thankfully, when I got on stage... It was like a steel blueprint had been (laughs) burned in my mind just from rehearsing it so many times. And afterwards, the biggest thing I took away from it to answer your your question was it's always going to be okay. It doesn't always have to be perfect, but it's always going to be okay. The America's Got Talent audition, it was not just okay. Actually, it turned out great for me. And same thing with the TEDx, you know even though I was really stressed leading up to it, it was all going to be okay. So now I look at opportunities that come up, and rather than saying what can go wrong, I just tell myself, go for it. It'll be okay.
1: Wonderful. That is really, really wonderful. And um, just curious, you did memorize, you said word for word, but because so much of your skill and your craft involves spontaneity, didn't you feel the confidence of being able to improvise if you did forget a specific line that you were going to say?
0: I did. The thing with the TEDx is because it is so tightly timed, I realized that I really needed to stay on script. Um, So to your point, yeah, there were a couple sentences in there that I didn't say exactly the same way they were written on the page. Um, But, But because I'm usually either in a space where I'm just, I have a strong outline, I know what my transitions are, and I deliver from that place of confidence, or I'm delivering something that's totally memorized, whenever I have to blend the two, it always makes me a little nervous.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, you know what's really wonderful? I watched it, and um, I hadn't met you before, and uh, none of the nervousness shows. None of it. It's so natural.
0: Well, thank you. And you're right. I mean, when I was on stage, I was so in the element. And that's what I have to remind myself, too, because I get, still get nervous before I do assemblies. But I just remind myself, look, when you were up there, you were having the time of your life. And it's true. You know, Like you said, when I was on stage, I wasn't nervous. I was just excited to be there and to be contributing in whatever way I could to the audience and to the viewers who would be watching it later. So you're right. In the moment, it's always great. But yeah, the lead up is what's challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm curious, why have you chosen millennials as your audience? And could you give us a an age range that you would, um, the millennial umbrella encompasses?
0: Absolutely. We define the millennial generation as individuals born between 1980 and 2000. There are a couple arguments to be made for narrowing that a little bit, but we think it's you know, pretty representative based on our experience. Um, and the reason we focused on millennials, there are a couple reasons. One is they are the largest living generation. And I say they, I mean, I'm a millennial. So we are, are the largest generation who's living in the United States. Um, and more importantly, my business partner Ivy and I saw that there was such a need out there for us to support millennials in part because we went through some of the challenges that we help millennials overcome things like self-doubt things like lack of focus things like being frustrated when you're not progressing as quickly as you like or being as successful as you like in the time frame you think you should be and a lot of what we realized was that our upbringing was in part responsible for that and so We decided to focus on millennials because we said there is so much untapped power here, both for individuals and for institutions. And what if we helped unlock more of these incredibly resourceful, inspiring, and courageous millennials? And the reason we founded the Motivational Millennial Podcast was to share stories of millennials who are doing incredible things in the world, contributing, living their passion and their purpose. So that's why we have really chosen to focus on millennials.
1: What a wonderful thing you're doing. I mean, it's uh, now, can you you share a story or or maybe more than one about some of the lives that you've touched with your unique work?
0: Absolutely. I'll share one from my school uh, programs that I do and one from the motivational millennial high school and college work. So I was speaking at a high school for my hip hop motivational speaking work. And I talk about my depression and the challenges I went through, and the story I was telling myself. And after this assembly in North Carolina, a student came up to me and he sort of shuffled up shyly and said, "I just wanted to thank you for talking about what you went through in high school." And I said, "Absolutely." I said, "How how are you doing?" He said, "Well, that's the thing. Like I I feel the way you felt." And I said you're you feel depressed and he said yeah and I said do you feel like it's really bad and he said yeah he's like I just don't know why I'm here and so I asked him I said have you told anybody about the way you're feeling and he said no so what I did was I said okay let's go right now you and me and let's connect you with your school counselor so we did and You know, did the handoff and the counselor was there to support him. And what I told him was I said, in a week, I want you to email me and tell me how you're doing and tell me the support that you are seeking and the people you are asking for help. Because one of the things I found from my own story was I didn't ask anybody for help. That's how it got so bad. It's because I was just living in this endless negative loop in my head and never letting it out because I didn't want to burden anybody else. I didn't want anyone else to know anything was wrong. And so a week later, he he sent me an email and he said, I've been talking with the school counselor. I've been talking with my friends. I feel so much better. Thank you for encouraging me to talk to somebody. And that, Lewis, was just, man, that was such an important reminder of how we need to encourage people to share when you are struggling it's not a burden it's the most important and responsible thing you can do in that moment when you feel like you can't take it to talk to somebody in your life
1: you may have you may have saved uh, that young man's life well thank
0: you you know my goal is just always to support students and um and i guess all people but Yeah, you know, I think it's important that we talk about it and important to encourage people to go to therapy. Therapy is fantastic. Therapy is a place where you can just share what is on your mind, work through things you're thinking about that are frustrating you. And it doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person, like what your worth is. There's such a stigma around mental health and therapy, and it's something we should all be talking about so much more often Anyway, so we can get to that more in a minute. but No, the,
1: that's, that's, yeah, that, that's, you
0: know,
1: <laughs> that's wonderful. That is really, really marvelous. And you said you had another story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So with Motivational Millennial, we run youth leadership summits and entrepreneurial summits for high school and college students. So um, – colleges or business schools or high schools bring us in and we run these workshops and they're very interactive. They're fun. It's not just sort of a sit down and write all day kind of thing. And after one of the workshops, I had a young man come up to me and he said, you know, before this workshop, I didn't ever think I could pursue music as a career, but because you showed me that if I am patient And focus on what I'm passionate about. I can do it. I'm actually going to give it a shot. And so, you know, I told him. I said, I believe 100% that that is possible for you. And I think if you are patient and don't rely on it to feed you (laughs) for the first five years, you can totally do it. And sure enough, a year later, I got a tweet, like a direct message on on Twitter from him. And he said, hey, Blake. Just wanted to let you know that I have a part-time job as an audio tech in a studio, and I'm still pursuing my dream to be a music producer. That day changed my life. Thank you so much.
1: So, yeah,
0: just seeing that. And, and I give all the credit to him, right? He just needed someone to unlock it, and then he did all the work. He did all the hard work of day in and day out, practicing his craft, getting better, connecting with people in his field, volunteering until he got a paid opportunity. You know, that's the hard work. So I want to really emphasize that the credit is for him, but we do need more people unlocking that in the young people around us.
1: Well, yeah. Look, the credit is his, absolutely, and it's wonderful that you acknowledge it. But, hey, you can't – don't downplay your role as a catalyst because without that impetus, without that spark in that moment, maybe that guy would not be pursuing his dream. Thank so, you. Own your power, my friend. That's going to become part of your story now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, where do you see yourself in five years, Blake?
0: Doing more of what I'm currently doing. I love speaking. I love doing workshops with millennials. And I love performing hip-hop. And one of the things I think I do want to start doing more of is one-on-one coaching. Um, My business partner, Ivy, just finished her certification with the Coaches Training Institute and just seeing the impact she's had on people's lives has been really inspiring and just being that champion for people in their corner and that is something I am looking to do more of. I have some informal training and I've been doing that especially in college coaching over the years, helping people get into college and get scholarships and that's been very successful and personally rewarding. So, I'm thinking about doing more of that, and ultimately, though, I just I want to keep having fun and helping people. That's really the goal for the next five years.
1: And I'm sure that you will. I mean, you can hear the passion in your voice. That's not about to diminish, I'm sure. Any favorite books of yours?
0: Sure. I'll give The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. Is probably the most transformative personal development book. And I want to give one caveat that most people probably don't give about that book. I think the book has a potential to make your life worse before it makes your life better. (laughs) 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 Here's what I mean by that. The Power of Now is all about recognizing that we are always telling ourselves a story. And that we've got that mind chatter. You know, the monkey mind. It's called inner critic. It's called a lot of different things. But recognizing it. And sometimes feeling powerless to change it in the moment um, can be really frustrating. And I found for myself actually kind of going through a dip after reading it where I was aware of (laughs) the things I was telling myself and some of these limiting beliefs that I was having and behaviors that were not supporting my ultimate goal. But I felt kind of powerless to change them. And what I've realized now, having (laughs) come out the other side of it, is that's the first step. The first step is just becoming aware in the first place. And I think what I would say to people is give yourself permission to take your time. And every day that you are more aware is a victory, even if you haven't changed anything that day, because it will grow to change. So yeah, that's what I would say.
1: You know what? Besides a wonderful share for the listeners of this show, I needed to hear that today. So thank you. Any other book? Oh
0: gosh, there are so many. Okay, I'm going to make a really unorthodox recommendation that I don't normally make, but go back and read some Shakespeare. That's my <laughs> other recommendation, and here's why: just, just like read one. Act or even one scene of Shakespeare along with some annotations beside it, and you will realize what the human mind and spirit is capable of achieving. When I was working on my album two albums ago, Soulfire. I had just read James Joyce's Ulysses. And I say read in quotation marks because it's really hard to read that book. It's like a thousand pages and it's postmodern. And some of it's, you know, in narrative. Some of it's just stream of consciousness. Some of it's like a taxonomy. It's just, it's a really hard book to read. But I remember when I finished it, I just thought to myself, one human mind, with maybe some editor's help, was capable of producing this. I want to try to create something that's even as tenth a tenth of the imagination and the creativity and the fun and the inspiration that this is. So, my unorthodox recommendation is going to be read some Shakespeare. Check out the wordplay. Check out the social commentary. Check out the dirty jokes. Like, Shakespeare combines such high art with such just raw humor and real human experience that... It's worth giving it a visit if you haven't read Shakespeare since high school.
1: Oh, absolutely. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare play?
0: I'm going to have to say Hamlet, although it's kind of it's kind of played out, but you know what? Actually, well, what, you know what? I, what, what, do
1: you, what do you mean it's kind of played out? What do you mean?
0: I feel like Hamlet's the go-to. <laughs> like It's like everyone's favorite Shakespeare play to talk about. But, mm. you know, Romeo and Juliet. Let's Let's go with Romeo and Juliet because it's brilliant. It's archetypal. It's eternally relevant. It has so much political and social commentary. It's about the self and the other. And that's what I really love about Shakespeare is how in one work we can get so many themes that you could talk about and hundreds of scholars have talked about. For hundreds of years. So I'm going to revise my answer to Romeo and Juliet.
1: Listen, they won't go wrong with either one. And, you know, <laughs> look, Hamlet will I mean just one speech alone is worth reading over and over and over again. To be or not to be, that is the question. I mean, think about just those words. What he's saying is the only important question is to decide if you're going to live your life or end it that's powerful stuff man
0: that's super powerful and mm-hmm. in another context you could read that to mean are you going to be your fullest most expressed self in this world and give everything you have to give or are you going to hide are you you know not to be not to be seen not to be heard And that is a choice we have every day. And it's hard. It is hard to put ourselves out there and to possibly face challenges or rejection. But but as you said, to be or not to be, that is the ultimate question.
1: I like that. I like that interpretation. Wonderful. Thank you. What about one favorite quote? You
0: are enough. I don't know that anyone in particular has said that, but I think if there's one thing I could tell everyone every single day of their lives when they wake up in the morning, it would be, you are enough. You are smart enough. You are attractive enough. You are strong enough. You have enough willpower. You have enough money. You have enough resources. You have enough contacts where you are right now to take the next step towards where you want to be. Because so often we don't start we don't try we don't learn and grow because we're telling ourselves I'm not enough whatever I'm too old too young too inexperienced too unattractive too experienced you know we can talk ourselves out of doing anything but the bottom line is everyone who got anywhere started where you are today or you know farther back than you are today and comparison is a dangerous trap I've got a line, I'm finishing a new hip-hop album called Remix Your Reality. And one of my lines that just keeps popping into my head is, comparisons guaranteed to make me unhappy.
1: Mm. And, Mm. you know,
0: that is the truth. Anytime I'm unhappy, it's almost always because I'm comparing myself to something else or someone else.
1: Mm. I love that. Did you say comparisons, uh, plural, or the comparison with an apostrophe S?
0: <laughs> yes, comparison with apostrophe S. Comparison <laughs> is guaranteed to make me unhappy. Yeah,
1: I'm writing that one down, guaranteed to make me unhappy. I love it.
0: Thank you. How yeah,
1: can, how can oh, people ahead. contact you, my friend?
0: So, you mentioned BlakeBrandes.com, and also... Motivational Millennial, that's millennial M I double L E double N I A L dot com. And if you actually go to motivationalmillennial.com slash free gift, um, we have just finished a personal transformation guide called Motivating Your Millennial Mind. And it's to help millennials grow and live the fulfilling life that we know you are capable of achieving. And it basically lists the four limiting beliefs and eight motivational tools, action steps, and reflection questions to help us overcome those limiting beliefs that we tend to come up against again and again whenever we're trying to do something meaningful in the world.
1: Wonderful. Take advantage of that, storytellers. Absolutely. And you know what? Don't talk yourself out of it by saying, you know what, I'm not a millennial, I'm too old. No, go and download it. I'm sure you'll get something from it and then pass it on to a millennial that you care about. Let's bring this baby to a smashing conclusion with some fun freestyle rap. What do you need to get that going?
0: I just need a few topics just to prove that this is actually made up on the spot, that it hasn't been rehearsed beforehand. So if you just have a few, it could be uh, themes or subjects, or just even something really specific uh, to just to prove it's made up on the spot.
1: Okay, let me see. Um, oh, boy. Me, the talker, suddenly goes silent. Okay, <laughs> I, I want you to do freestyle rap on... Hagendas Ice Cream. Okay.
0: Beautiful. All right. So we got Hagendas Ice Cream. And, um, what, let's do, what's your favorite movie?
1: Okay. That's great. Um, let's say The Godfather.
0: Okay. All right. The Godfather. And, um, one more, uh, Your favorite, let's see, do you have a favorite philosopher or or personal development uh, person?
1: Tony Robbins.
0: Tony Robbins. All right. Beautiful. Okay, so we've got um, Haagen-Dazs ice cream, (laughs) The Godfather, and Tony Robbins for our freestyle. All right. Yo. Yeah. you might see me on the news, I'll make you an offer that you know you can't refuse. See how I do it, yo it's not a bother, yo catch me one, two, three, the godfather, a. <laughs> I'm Tony Montana, see how I do it, yo I'll rock the bandana, Ayy, You know I don't sin, but I gotta go awaken the giant within like my man Tony did, yo rock the stage, see how I do it, yo when I'm in a rage, I feel I might get mad, I feel I might scream but that's the time for me to get Hagen dazs ice cream. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying the name's Blake B and I am not playing. So hey y'all, you gotta get your mind right. As Lewis once said, change your story, change your life.
1: Woo! Thank you my man, thank you. You have given us a gift today. Thank
0: you, I appreciate that.
1: Oh yes, a really special gift And storytellers, you can hear my cat Pushkin uh, approving of everything she hears. She just loves freestyle rap. Thank you, storytellers, for spending time with us live today. I know that you had fun and that you learned something. Share these things with people. Let them know that they can hear this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at ChangeYourStoryPodcast.com. And at the website, there's a free gift for all of you, a downloadable ebook, Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Blake mentioned quite a few incredible, inspiring books. Remember that you can choose one of your favorite books as an audio download for free at www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. Of course, audio books are the best ways for you to... Learn while you do something else. Great time savers while you're driving, while you're working out, while you're in the kitchen or whatever. Make sure to take advantage of that offer from Audible. And during the next week, think about, is there inside of you a butterfly that's dying to get out? Allow yourself to discover it and find a way to give it wings. Begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life?
0: Tune in to the next episode of Luis Bianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.